evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Hashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,850 miles southeast of me, is none other than my good friend and yours, Mr. Kip Fisher. And we are coming to you live this first day of December. Wow, first day of December, 2017, for the 171st time. Mr. Fisher, how the heck are you? I'm all right, I reckon. First anybody told me today. Oh, that's uh, oh, I like that. I uh, that's a good one as far as uh, hillbillyisms go. I I, <laughs> I could take that one. Okay, oh, you, yeah. you, you you can just take that home with you. That's your free of charge. Oh, fantastic! Jeez, I haven't talked to you in a month, or or we haven't recorded in a month, and you're giving me gifts already. What a cool fella! That's just what I am, man. Yeah, yeah, well, we have missed two recordings due to illness and overall general malaise, and he's my (laughs) favorite army army officer, and uh, fatigue and a whole bunch of other random stuffs, but folks, we are soldiering on to continue with this little theme and uh, bringing you a half-ashed episode yet again. And uh, I am ready to do it. I'm having my first cigar in three weeks as we speak. And Mr. Kip, I know that you have been slightly uh, withholding as well due to sickness. And so how are you feeling smoking a cigar right now? Is everything going well for you? Yeah, this is the first cigar I've had in mm, three hours probably. Oh, you're you're a... Word that will get us the explicit tag. That's what you are. <laughs> no, I did my time with a cold and abstained, but I've been enjoying them for the past couple of weeks. Good for now, you. It's very plain white vanilla selection, but I have been smoking cigars. I can absolutely understand that. You are on those uh, DNAs and Comados, I'm guessing. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you uh, you need a mule, my friend. That's what you need. I do, and I think it's looking pretty positive to have one in January. Oh, that's good news. I have not, uh, I have not caught up with any recent uh, <coughs> talk of such things. So that makes me happy to hear. I will have yeah. some cigars for you. I have unbanded at my home. Cool. Yeah. What? <laughs> I was sitting here scouring this desk looking trying to nonchalantly look for my lighter and it's here on my lap <laughs> oh boy that kind of day well so you're alive i'm alive yeah. we're both smoking a cigar a cigar and we haven't talked in a month every well again <laughs> we haven't recorded in a month Anything yeah. we should all know about. Mm. Uh, the industry has oh. been relatively light. I uh, I haven't heard any crazy news, but is there anything I'm overlooking or nothing are things too, copacetic? Yeah, nothing too outlandish. You know, a move here or there from some employees. And some apps being taken out of the Apple App Store and that kind of thing. We'll talk about those shortly but there's nothing just really world changing for cigars outside of the regulation that's been going on for 
for years and will likely continue to do so for more years. Well, that sounds to me like the perfect opportunity to shake things up a little bit and to have one of those deathbed cigars, which is what we are doing tonight. I, if, if I can put words in your mouth, I, uh, I think we would both agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my, one of my favorite cigars of all time. And, Probably my very favorite from this particular maker, which I'll let you give us the details about. Well, I will absolutely unequivocally agree with that comment. This is without a doubt my favorite cigar coming from this maker, past or present at any point at any company. And it just so happens to be the EPC Carrillo Edition Inaugural 2009. Oh, boy, this is a good cigar, my man. Let me ask you something before you tell us all the details. Sure. Did you ever smoke any of Ernesto's stuff pre-sellout to General from uh, La Tradición Cubana? Uh, La Tradición Cubana? You mean uh, uh, La, uh, uh, La Gloria Cubana? Yes. Um, <laughs> not Luis Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know when that sellout actually took place. So I can tell you that I did have La Gloria Cubana's. I, I can tell you, I did have La Gloria Cubana Wavels prior to the Serie R being released. And then the Serie R came out and that's when I made an honest concerted effort to like La Gloria's and realized that I did not. So wherever that timeline fits with what actually occurred, 99 can... is when the sale happened. Okay, then no. Because I did not start smoking cigars professionally, I'll call it, until 99. Professionally. Yep, yep, yep. I, uh, I smoked some before that, but 99 was... Uh, when I turned 18 and got absolutely serious about it because a cigar store opened up in my hometown and I became friends with the owner who was in his 20s and we clicked and became best buds. Well, I did, but I was not so professional at the time myself. Back <laughs> in the uh, mid-90s, I was a fully grown adult already while you were still in middle school. High school. High school. <laughs> and I worked at Phillips Magnavox, and one of the functions I had for a short period of time was in purchasing, and I had to purchase lumber and parts from one company and resell them to another company as finished goods. And there was a guy named Mike who bought that, those, those parts after they'd been machined. Actually, they were cabinet doors. If you bought um, <coughs> cabinetry at Home Depot through much of the late 90s, from 95 onward, it probably came from the factory I was at. But anyway, the parts for them. We sold the part, the machine parts to assemble cabinetry to a company in North Carolina that made them. But anyway, none of that means anything. It has nothing to do and no interest for anybody within the range of my voice right now. <laughs> This guy, would, he was in North Carolina, and he would come over, and he was just outside of Statesville, and he would go to JR Cigars because he knew, <coughs> excuse me, 
he knew I liked cigars, and he would bring me some every time, and he would bring La Gloria Cubanas. <coughs> Sorry. And he was like, man, you, you, when he first brought them, he's like, you've got to try these cigars. They're fantastic. I love them. And it's like some dude selling these things out of the back of his car <laughs> to JR Cigars. What? And I was like, oh, okay. And so I tried them. I really enjoyed them. I knew nothing, zero about cigars. I went to a cigar store at the time, bought what I saw and kept buying what I liked. Huh. But I, I did enjoy them, but I couldn't tell you a single thing <laughs> about those cigars today. Well, I, uh, Gloria Cubanas were always one of those cigars that as I became more and more interested and tried more and more cigars, that was always one of those things that, that this shop owner was like, yeah, you just wait until I get LaGloria's. You just wait. Those cigars are going to change your life. Like, it was always kind of, it was like an Opus X mentality. Like, you just wait until you have an Opus X. It's going to change your life. And so I, I've always kind of wondered, did I hype up LaGloria too much? Would it have been right in my wheelhouse, or did I just not like them? Because now, I mean, it's been... 17 years since I had my first Opus and I still don't love Opus, but that initially my first Opus was a little petite Lancero, petite Lancero. Yeah. Have a the, the tor- torpedo head. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it was one of those and it just absolutely destroyed me. And I did not like Opus after that. I tried smoked lots of them, just didn't like it, but I, I feel like I, I built that cigar and La Gloria's up too much, as well as Jamaican tobacco. That was another one. The old Macanudo Jamaicas <laughs> or Royal Jamaicas. Um, yep. uh, those three cigars were all really built up, and I didn't end up liking any of them. Hmm. But I, I, I like the Opus, but do not ever go out of my way to find them. I mean... Just because the same, the different offerings from the same company interest me more in the Hemingway and the Don Carlos lines. Hmm. But they do tend to be a little strong. I will never, unless I get desperate for a cigar, I will never again smoke that little triple X opus, little tiny, like a Bellicoso, but it's only, you know, three and a half, four inches long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do not know what's in those cigars, but it it just pummels me into submission. Uh, those are the Power Rangers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those bad boys will uh, they'll they'll not only put hair on your chest, they'll put it on your wife's chest. They're so strong, which <laughs> is not not exactly a desirable thing, I guess. Not very desirable. No, no, not very desirable. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I circling back around to this cigar that we're smoking tonight, this Edition Inaugural, um, I, I have to say I was not overly ecstatic about Ernie Carrillo's reemergence. I was intrigued um, because in 2009, it had been 10 years, I was heavily invested in the cigar industry at that point, going to IPCPRs. 
having my fingers in a number of different cigar-type businesses or cigar business businesses. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, so I was more intrigued than anything else. And so I think that maybe the fact that I wasn't so interested in these sticks um, might have played partially into how my opinion of them uh, was shaped. So I have got quite a little bit of a uh, uh, (laughs) thesis here. (laughs) Maybe I can call it that. But uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit of information. So I'll just read what I've got. Uh, on the notes here uh, and that'll kind of give you a a, a little bit of an intro into what this stick is and how it has uh, treated me throughout the years. So let me take a quick puff. And astute listeners, I think we've mentioned this is the Edición Inaugural, the inaugural edition from EP Carrillo and and I don't know if you can make that out on the band or if the camera will even focus. It says 2009, which long about then is when EP, when Ernesto had um, made it past his non-compete or, or whatever arrangement he had with General and re-entered the cigar market with EP Carrillo as a new company. Uh, but again, astute listeners will realize that date is after the 2007 cutoff for the FDA rigs, which means he has nothing that is going to be grandfathered in as predating the, the cutoff. That's a really interesting point. I didn't put uh, two and two together on that, but you are absolutely correct. Yeah, that's uh, you know, okay. That brings up an interesting point. If you read the original, I believe it's the original press release about this cigar and his reemergence, there is a strong reference to his son and daughter's position within the blending of this cigar as well as the the uh, management of his company. Um, and yet, I got to be completely honest, I don't think that they're even discussed anymore in anything. Um, his daughter, it, she still makes the circuit for events and stuff. Oh, she does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know about his son. All right. I, uh, I am lit again. I'll take off off and read on. <laughs> How much have you drank? Oh, shush. All <laughs> right. The Ernesto Perez Creo Edition Inaugural was a cigar that uh, was heralded as the reintroduction of a legend amongst casual and serious cigar smokers alike. Ernie Perez Creo was coming back after selling off his fabled brand, La Gloria Cubana, to General Cigar. Um, his non-compete was up, and he was ready to show. He still had the desire and skill to carve his own niche in the industry. The EI from 09 was widely praised for being incredibly complex and approachable. Having been at the IPCPR where it debuted, I can uh, remember seeing billboards literally uh, on the way from the airport to the convention center, teasing its release and Ernie's welcome back. 
Initially, some found the cigar to be mild, while others found its complexity to stand on its own and trump uh, a description of nicotine strength. What I do know is that I was not an immediate fan, but became one after a bit of time settling down post-convention. I had one, as a footnote here, this is not in my notes. I had one at the convention, but it was like cigar three of a day when I had had eight or something. So I was not on a fresh palate. I followed it up with something else shortly thereafter, and it just did not it did not hold a, a spot in my memory, but um, I, I don't mean to imply that it wasn't something that, or that it was something I disliked. It just wasn't something that stood out. So um, I have followed this five and three eighths by 52 inch, uh, 52 ring cigar over the years and found its journey to be a figurative roller coaster of all aspects of what a cigar can display. At times, it's been strong, others mild, sometimes spicy, some sweet, a slow burner, fast burner. Even now, as I uh, was sitting today, sipping the cold draw, I met with a new sensation, a new aroma. This wrapper has an oddly enjoyable mixture of ammonia and alcohol. That does not sound palatable at all, but trust me, it was just oddly enjoyable. There's no better way for me to put it. This cigar is eight years old and it still has mild ammonia. That's just incredible, incredible, incredible uh, to think about. So one thing that I can say for certain is that it is made of absolutely top quality components uh, and it has been stored in its original cellophane in a sealed heavy duty plastic bag since I bought it a couple of years back. It's well cared for and seems to be taking care of the smoker as well as the smoker has taken care of it. So I have always found something to be enjoyable about this stick. Um, When it was spicy or peppery, I found it to, to have a short finish. And so the pepper didn't linger. It wasn't palate polluting. When I found it to be sweet, like a sweet spicy, I found it to not be cloying. When I found it to be a fast burner, it still burned well, and it didn't get hot. When it was a slow burner, it was two and a half hours of enjoyment. Um, It just, it it has never, it's a weird thing to say, but it's never failed at whatever it's tried to do. You know, you can can listen to my description of strong, mild, spicy, sweet, fast, slow, and think, oh, well, that's an inconsistent cigar. But I don't really know if it, is I think that it's just such a good cigar, excuse me, that whatever the smoker is expecting of it or getting out of it, or you know, uh, let's say you had a, a heavy dinner or a dinner with a lot of onions or very flavorful um, components to it, this cigar is going to find its niche, fill it, and fill it wonderfully. Um, it, it's an incredibly versatile cigar. That's what I take away from this. That's why every time I light it up, I enjoy it. And uh, I, tonight, thus far, it, an inch into the first third has been absolutely no different. Um, a lot of sweetness tonight. Um, some strength. Now, granted, I haven't had uh, a cigar in three weeks. 
Um, but I was a quarter inch into it and I realized I needed to grab a little fruit bar that I had around because I was already starting to get those initial feelings of nicotine. So there's definitely still strength in this cigar after eight years. Um, and, uh, I, I, I'm loving it thus far. Yeah, me too. But that's not anything new. I've, I've talked about this cigar many times on this show in the past, and I've yet to be disappointed by it. So the components of this cigar is um, an Ecuadorian wrapper, and I have not looked into new interviews or discussions on, on this wrapper, uh, the, the actual varietal that this wrapper is. But initially, it was regarded as being some newfangled Ecuadorian wrapper that had never been used for premium cigars before. Um, I don't know if over the years, you said you were smoking these somewhat regularly up until 2014. Uh, did you hear or have any discussions with anyone about what this wrapper really was? I did not. I was absolutely smoking this cigar in solitude. I mean, I didn't know anybody that talked about it, smoked it, knew anything about it. I was just buying them and smoking them. Hmm. Like some well, kind of dis- it's an Ecuadorian wrapper over a Nicaraguan binder with Dominican filler. And um, tonight, I, without question, feel like I am noticing components, uh, excuse me, uh, flavors from all three of those components. I have, um, maybe I am incorrect in making this connection, but a little bit of a Habano sweetness to it. And there are an awful lot of Habano wrappers coming from Ecuador. Uh, it's a just a perfect place to grow that, that Habano wrapper. Um, so there's a difference to me in what, the sweetness that a bottle brings as compared to an additional sweetness in this cigar, which I attribute to the Dominican filler, which is some of that, that mm, prototypical baking spice. Um, this has got a little bit of that sweet baking spice to go along with brown sugar sweetness. And I think that's coming from big time from the, the Dominican filler. It is one of those Dominican classic um, flavors that I love uh, out of Dominican cigars, cigars with Dominican characteristics. And then there is also this, I don't, I don't know if it, if it's tasting, if it's like a hard taste, like a, a a hard pepper or wood or a hard spicy or a hard savory spice. Um, but it's something akin to being a balance to the sweetness that I would, I would say I would attribute to being, uh, or I would classify as being Nicaraguan in component, um, or as a component. So either I'm seeing a full breadth of a cigar that is extremely complex, or this cigar is still not fully married and I'm getting individual components. But either way, it's not it's not a short finish. It's not distracting. So if it is individual components that haven't fully married yet and how they're being perceived... Um, my mind is blown as to how they will continue to marry um, because it's, it's so unique and enjoyable now that uh, I'm intrigued as to how it's going to continue on. Um, very intrigued. Do you have any, any or any uh, flavor characteristics or anything you want to share on this uh, first third? 
No, I mean before. Yes and no. Yes, I, I'd say no, and then I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> before, before we were recording, we were sharing notes on the cold draw and had radically different experiences. And mine was very um, dark and sweet in its aroma, but pretty light with a lot of brown sugar and graham cracker. And you know, if I fought and kicked and begged and pleaded and screamed and convinced myself it was true, I could find the slightest little wisp of vinegar or ammonia maybe in there. But it sounds like yours was maybe a little different than what I've experienced or maybe I just can't smell straight. I don't know. Um, but after lighting it, I noticed that there was a a good bit more of a tingle through the nose with a retro held and I remembered that doesn't mean that it wasn't there originally. It's just what I remember. And we all know my tumor addled mind doesn't have the best memory, but that's what I remembered. And we, that just as a, I don't want to say footnote as a foundational little fact, the two of us have very different ideas about the strength of the cigar as well. I'm still finding this one much like I remember to be very, very mild. It doesn't, for whatever reason, doesn't impact me the same as it does you and presumably many other people as well, which is something I would love to know the answer to, uh, uh, like the tramp stamp. I could sit and smoke those things all day long, but they seem very strong to you. And and we've had other cigars that were the opposite, cigars that you did not find strength in that just wore me out. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same with my friend Nick. There, there's a few cigars that we've remarked over the years, and I've known him for many years now. That that he is a hardcore deals with nicotine very well physiologically. I'm not. It, it, I I get crushed with just small amounts. But there, every once in a while, we'll come across a cigar that. It's just, you know, hot air to me, but just completely obliterates him in, in its strength. And I don't understand at all how that works. If it's strictly just our temporary constitution, if it's what we've eaten, what we haven't eaten, what, you know, I, I don't know how many different factors are at play there, but it always interests me when when these kinds of things come up. Especially because it's been so consistent. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I uh, I think that you and I have always kind of talked to each other about the other being, what do I want to say? Not wrong, but maybe that kind of gentle ribbing when you're like, what, what do you mean that's a mild cigar? What do you mean that's a strong cigar? I mean, we have to have had that conversation a half a dozen times, right? I mean. Yeah, and, and it's not consistent where every time it's milder to me or every time it's stronger to me, some cigars go one way and some the other. So it doesn't seem like it is strictly a, a temporary thing. It's like it's something, some characteristic in a cigar that interacts with your body that's not present in all cigars, maybe has a bigger influence. Hmm. Yeah, it goes to uh, to what you've said, definitely. So. I don't know. It uh, it's been fun for me to uh, enjoy so far. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else is coming on. 
But back just one second to the flavors that the baking spice you mentioned. <laughs> I'm just eating it up. I keep catching myself just on the fringes of over puffing this thing. I'm wearing the cigar out because I, I really enjoy that. And it's coming through just in spades to quote you. Um, oh, it's absolutely I, I agree. And that happens to be one of the things I really enjoy in a cigar. And so I'm trying to rein myself in a little bit and not over smoke this thing. It's, it's becoming difficult. You know, it's, uh, I'm assuming that you only have one left of this or do you not even have that? Have you already had it? I have not yet had it because I haven't taken a picture of it to make the post. So I have to have a picture before I can smoke the other one. Well, I, I would be interested if you would smoke the other one at a different time of day. Oh, okay. Uh, they, you had mentioned that you had had a cigar previous to this. Um, yeah. And it, it's been a few hours, but, I had had a pipe sitting here on the desk that I lit for just a couple of minutes as well. But that was really just a couple of minutes. It wasn't much to that. Yeah, I saw you light that, actually. So, I mean, it was after I jumped on at 825 or something like that. No, so yeah. Whatever. Half an hour before we started recording when we were just chatting. So, hmm. Well, so anyways, I'd be interested to see what you think if you smoke this first cigar of the day or, you know, after a, a light breakfast, don't have, you know, eggs over easy or something that completely coats your palate. Have just, you know, a normal morning with uh, nothing that's going to really um, temper how you perceive things. I I just, I don't know. Um, there's obviously something to our difference. And I would like to try to remove one variable in, in just to be sure that our constitution um, in terms of cigar con- consumption is not influencing this. Gotcha. I'm so, with you. I, I'd just be interested to know. So, well, now that that, 40-minute little foiree into uh, our history uh, over the last month. You can call it history because it's been six weeks. Uh, And um, this cigar has concluded. Why don't we uh, talk a little bit about the news, the rest of this this stick, and some other stuff that we got going on. So I challenge everyone to stick around if you dare. It's sure to be another fun night of Conversation, rum, cigars, and friends. <laughs> I can and coughs. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to manage the mute button to keep me and the dog from making too much racket. I challenge you there to that. Absolutely. We got a couple of stories and a couple of honorable mention stories that really are not going to uh, be a whole lot to talk about other than just noting them. Uh, but this first one was, uh, this came out over uh, dang near a month ago now, three weeks ago, I guess. Uh, Cigar Aficionado posted a, a an article uh, that they had originally published in their Insider magazine, which is an extra subscription if you want to, to get that, but uh-huh. then was subsequently released to the general, for general consumption through their website. And they were saying that Apple pulled their app off 
the uh, off the app store for a violation of terms. And I guess this has been going on for some time. There's been quite a bit of back and forth between the two, between whoever at Apple and whoever at Cigar Aficionado. But the thing that's interesting to me is that this app did not sell tobacco, but but Apple said, well, it encourages the use of tobacco and use that as as qualification to to pull the app which is funny to me because there's, they just haven't caught on to dozens of others out there that do similar things that th this particular app, all it did was if you're in a new city, if you're visiting a city, you could put in where you were and it would be the closest cigar lounges. And, you know, I'm sure the lounges had paid a fee to be in the app. I, I don't know how it was working, but uh -huh. um, they didn't sell cigars. They didn't sell tobacco. They didn't do anything like that. It was just the fact that it promoted the use of tobacco. And so Cigar Aficionado had made the argument that, hey, you pulled our app off here, uh, but there's a gazillion similar, almost identical apps for the marijuana industry. Why is this not a problem? And they did, apparently didn't get an answer for that. Just that that your app, the Cigar Fish and Our app, continue. We continue to find that your app promotes the use of tobacco or nicotine-related paraphernalia. And I, I don't know if it's still out there. The Cigar Monster had an app, in uh, an Apple app, where they literally directly sell you tobacco. Huh. I don't I, I don't use Apple. I don't know if it still exists. I know it exists in the Android marketplace, but presumably it's still in the Apple App Store. So it, I don't think it's a strict rule. I just wonder what triggers that. If somebody is sitting around reviewing apps actually more in depth than the typical review process to introduce them into the market, or if somebody makes a complaint or, if, you know, some smoke Nazi is writing letters to, Apple every day. I don't know what triggers this, um, but it, it's happened to a few apps. But Cigar Aficionado, I guess, has a bigger platform to a uh, bigger soapbox to to get up on and and talk about it. But it was interesting to me, just for the reason that it's not smoking per se; it's smoking tobacco that is the problem. And right. I, I'm trying to think of any possible way that that could be justified. And I, I just, I, I can think of reasons that it would occur, but not necessarily ways that it could be justified. Right. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, the, the article went on to call out specific apps in, in the, the uh, cannabis industry that are exactly the same. they, pointed out weed maps, which describes itself as, and this is a quote, the largest and most comprehensive marijuana directory and discovery resource on the planet. And another one, Leafly, that is the world's cannabis information resource and allows users to explore thousands of marijuana strains and access the map to find a dispensary nearby that carries the cannabis strain for their needs. <laughs> that is that is literally exactly what this app did for cigars and cigar lounges. But tobacco is taboo, I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it just comes down to... Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, do we want to go here? I mean, do we want to make this a political discussion? Or I, I mean, doesn't matter to me. What the hell? I mean, it's our show. It. <sighs> All right, let's let's deal with this in absolute broad strokes. Marijuana is widely heralded by the left as being something that should not be illegal. And so, again, broad stroke, the left's political view is essentially to either legalize or decriminalize um, and start kind of a, a groundswell of perhaps some sort of a sea change here on uh, the legal ramifications of consuming, purchasing, um, selling of marijuana. Broad strokes, I understand. Now, the left also has been at the forefront of pushing the absolute opposite for tobacco. Another smoked, consumable that essentially has somewhat of, uh, I want to say narcotic, but obviously I know it's not a narcotic, um, an intoxicating type of an effect. It it has a, a pharmacological effect on the consumers. I understand that there has been more funding um, and studies devoted to the health effects of nicotine and uh, following that down the road through the delivery method of tobacco. Um, and so that can be our dividing line here. That's our, our meridian. But the fact of the matter is, is in broad strokes, for conversation's sake, it is a consumable that is inhaled which has somewhat of a pharmacological intoxication upon its consumer, one is okay, the other is not. And I don't understand how a company, which is very well established for being liberal in its, in its philosophies, um, can toe that line. I, I, I would be interested in hearing a response on a specific reason why one of these consumables is acceptable and the other is not. I just, yeah. just clarify it. Just clarify it. Right. You know, and, and those who have listened to every one of our episodes who, who uh, have heard me do our solo episode, understand that I am not a, a right wing, um, uh, devotee, devotee, whatever the pronunciation is on that. Um, I'm much more of a central, um, free thinking individual who will be much more independent here. So this is not a personal political slant. This is just, I want an answer. I think that that is due. It's just very, very strange. Don't be an hip. Don't be a hypocrite. It takes away from you. Let your yes be your yes. You know. I mean, quite frankly, just please, please be consistent. I don't know. 
Sure. Sorry. There, I, there I am. Oh, no, I'm with you and, and just kind of jumping off the track a little bit. Um, there's absolutely no reason this same philosophy can't or won't someday extend a podcast. You go through the same registration and same listing requirements. We happen to be on iTunes. There's no reason they could not yank us off iTunes. I don't think they're going to because the iTunes marketplace and being podcast being free is it's a little bit different, but I mean, similar classifications when you set them up. Hmm. You know, I, uh, my mind kind of wanders there. My mind kind of wanders there and is curious if, uh, Boy, you follow this down the road long enough, you're going to get to that point. That would absolutely make some sense. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with it. But, I mean, I think the uh, dust has settled. I don't know that anything changed. I don't believe it did. Yeah. That's kind of where we still sit three weeks later. Hmm. Uh, They gave some methods. You can still get their app. You can... Uh, you know, you can you can switch to Droid, but <laughs> or you can get the same information through their website. Uh, you just can't. You just won't have a polished, beautiful little app on your iPhone. You have to use a browser either on the. You could use the browser on the phone, or just do it on a regular computer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's certainly an intriguing news story uh, more intriguing from a head scratching perspective than a than a uh, provocative enjoyable one but nonetheless mm-hmm. I don't know sorry I'm in the chat room here for a second oh no problem at all well while you are in the chat room I will will introduce our next topic which uh, I have to say I did not read the article on so <laughs> I will leave that to you. Half Wheel is reporting that <laughs> Swedish Match uh, has entirely exited the premium cigar business. I know. Can you believe it, folks? I am just as uh, surprised by this as you are. <laughs> Selling off their remaining shares of Scandinavian Tobacco Group. Kip, yeah. take it away. <laughs> well, you kind of stole my thunder. That's found the story. Swedish Match, Swedish Match, uh, is the uh, several rungs up the ladder, but was the uh, owner, the parent company, I guess, for uh, Scandinavian Tobacco Group, which is a parent for General Cigar and Cigars International and any number of large retailers and manufacturers within the industry, and they have decided, just as a business decision, I suppose, to Exit at at least the premium cigar uh, market. Uh, they may have some holdings in other companies still for uh, mass-produced items. I know they did at one time. I don't know if they still do, uh, but they sold off their remaining nine million shares of STG stock, <laughs> which is a huge amount of money. I don't know what that stock's trading at right now, but there's no way it's a small amount of money. Uh, and, nine million is that all? Yeah, and divested themselves of the their total 
totally divested themselves of their premium cigar holdings. Um, and, you know, it just distributes it out to other places. It's not like General Cigar is going to close over this or something. In fact, they're opening new, sto new stores. Um, well, STG is opening new stores. Um, but, you know, I thought it was worth mentioning that one of the big guys at, at times, the biggest of big guys in the cigar industry, uh, doesn't have the same daddy as they did two months ago. Well, it's it's interesting to me because if I had to to guess, I mean, the writing on the wall here is that the premium cigar industry sucks for profit. I mean, that's that's why a major move like this from a, a massive corporation is going to take place, right? I mean, it's not well, generating yeah. the revenue they're expecting it to generate, and they don't have the ability to control and modify that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's 101 in, in business. If it ain't making money, you got to find something else. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just... It's sucky, but... I mean, that's that's where we're at, folks. I mean, there ain't nothing that's going to change there. And that's why Bob McDuffie always said quickest way to <laughs> to a million dollars in the cigar industry is to start with two million. Yeah. I, I think that was uh, attributed to Dion Giolito, and it was uh, the best way to make a million bucks is to start with ten. <laughs> Either way, the point is the same. No doubt about it. Yeah. Oh, well. It's kind of a couple or three decade history that they've had with cigars that they, they now are just washed their hands of entirely. Oh, I, without a doubt. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but it sure as hell seems like that, right? I mean, boy, oh, boy, uh, you don't exit to come back. You exit because you go, eh, this ain't looking good. Yeah. Yeah, it's not generally profitable to sell something you plan on buying back. <laughs> so the Unless guy you sold it to is not likely to sell it back to you cheaper. Yeah. Mm. Well, it... Uh... Hell, they didn't. They didn't own any cigars that I liked, anyway. So <laughs> they own La Gloria Cubana. Uh, see, <laughs> I'm an evil bastard sometimes. Yeah, we all are. All right, what's next, my man? This is one that uh, tugs at your heartstrings. <laughs> I don't even have nothing to say about it. <laughs> see. <laughs> I'm going to just read the notes directly. The Oliva Series V Maduro is a 6x60 again. Whatever. <laughs> I, I freaking love this blend, but I cannot smoke that size. It's just not comfortable, and I've talked about that 100 times on out of 171 shows. And I understand. Again, Business 101, whatever sells is what you got to make and what you got to do and what you got to put in the marketplace. And I, me, this guy is the tiny little majority, or tiny little majority, tiny little minority that uh, doesn't reach for similar, similarly sized vitolas. So 
I'm relegated to other marks to smoke my cigars. So let me let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you think that this cigar would be more enjoyable if you had a Winston Churchill esque cigar holder? No, because I don't think I would like that. Why not? Because eh, I'm <laughs> I'm that old codger yelling get off my lawn and doesn't want to change and do something weird like that. You don't think Winston Churchill was that same old codger? <laughs> yes, but he was that old codger at a time when that was the norm. <coughs> and you know what? Uh, I'm just going to I'm going to be frank. My name is Frank for a minute. Nice to meet you. I really like this blend and we have smoked it many times on this show. We we did even the the review of several years production of this blend. I happen to prefer it in the um the Toro. What was I think 2011 and 12 were the Toros. Maybe even sounds one about right. Years. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um and I like the others, the uh, Bellicosos that it came out originally as I like those a lot. Those were a similar ring. That being said, as we've talked about on occasion before, there are blends that are developed to be made into a six by 60. That doesn't mean the size is any more comfortable for me, but it still can be an enjoyable cigar. The, uh, uh, Americana from Jesus Fuego was one of those. I'm not a big Jesus Fuego fan. I do enjoy some of his products, but in, in general, I don't reach for them often. Mm-hmm. That blend I really liked in a 60 ring, even though it's not physically comfortable. There are other blends where I think this blend is developed and throughout the, the, the development process and it's built to be something and then to make it into a much bigger cigar it has to be filled with something else which is not going to be your most expensive flavorful bold tobacco and you get a cigar that's kind of blown up and it just it, it comes across as airy to me that's like there's there's a lot of a lot of heat and no fire a lot of heat and no no flavor absolutely and and that blend, this blend and this cigar comes across that way to me in this size. So I don't care for for it in this Vitola, but I'm <laughs> I'm not happy about it, but I'm not criticizing Oliva because I know this is the third year in a row, I think, for the six by sixty in this blend. Obviously this must be selling well for them. That's they gotta make money. They're a business, they're not a cigar charity. So they got to do what they got to do, but I gotta, I gotta smoke what I like too. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Maduro six by sixty, um, limited release. That that ticks a lot of boxes, man. I mean, yeah. you you do a, a six by sixty. I, I'm sorry, not a six by sixty. Yeah, you do a six by sixty. Uh, all the time it sells well. You put a limited tag on it or you make that a situation where uh, all of a sudden people are, are looking at that going, oh, man, that thing looks gorgeous. I I, I got to believe that the people who are going after a 6x60 are not generally smoking it because they think that it's the best smoking experience. 
Um, they, no, no, that that that's terrible. They're not smoking it because it is the best smoking experience. They're smoking it because they believe that it is the best. They just don't know otherwise. If they, well, yeah, I mean, if that makes sense, attuned to that flavor. If you have a goldfish that spends the first seventy-five percent of its life in a six-inch fish bowl and you take it out and you put it in the ocean, it's going to swim in tight little circles for a month because it doesn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, don't, don't write me all the nasty emails for that comment. I just thought it was funny. No, I, uh, I think that comment is a beautiful analogy. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, but now I'm going to get nasty emails from 6 by 60 people telling me how stupid I am. I know how stupid I am. <laughs> Wait, wait, you think you're going to get nasty emails? Come on, I was the one who said they don't know any better. That they're mm-hmm. essentially, I said they're too dumb to know what a good cigar is. Yes, think but then I, I broke it down and gave an illustration so they would understand your comment. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, all right. You, you're going, you're on your own here, my man. No, I'm just messing around. I'm a huge proponent of smoking what you like and like it what you smoke. Even if you're an idiot? Uh, I've already admitted I'm an idiot. No, I, I meant the people who smoked the <laughs> wrong thing. I know, but I wasn't going to say that. Yeah, I understand that. No. Well, I uh, there's got to be a reason they smoke it. I'm sure they enjoy it. And there are, and like I prefaced this whole comment with, there are cigars that I do enjoy in a bigger ring that I think groundwork or, or, or work and thought forethought has been put into the blend and it's been created for that format. It hasn't been created as a Corona and then filled up with Volado to make up the difference and get no flavor out of it. It goes either way. There are, there are very good 60 ring cigars and there are some that are just not. You're, you are absolutely right. And you know, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I, I don't know what I need to say here, but in all reality, I'm goofing around when I imply that they're idiotic or have terrible tastes. I mean, it doesn't work for me. Literally makes my jaw feel odd. But if that's all I smoked, it wouldn't make your jaw feel odd. It would make your <coughs> jaw feel like it always does. So I understand that some people enjoy that. There are good examples of large cigars. You put all those together. You know what? And there are big people. So big people, bigger mouths, maybe they're perfectly fine. So whatever. I can uh, I can get off the uh, the the bashing train there and, and just let it go, I suppose. Yeah. But if anybody out there is listening from Oliva, you, you could throw a few more of those Toros out our way. I'd buy them. You know what, dude? Don't don't go with a Toro. Ask for a Corona. <laughs> and then what happens? Then then there's a cigar that's been blended to be a Toro. That's been dropped down and omitted some vital component to make it a Toro or a, a Corona. Yeah, but I think if I remember correctly, those wrappers were were pretty darn good on occasion. I don't know mm-hmm. if this this six by sixty is still the same wrapper. Uh, or if they went back to the one that we really, really enjoyed, um, you know. But I mean, I 
we haven't seen any small rings in uh, the uh, the Serie V Maduro. We haven't. I mean, the smallest ring is that 52 or whatever. Yeah, so, 50 or 50. 50, I think, was the Toro. 52 were the Bellicosos. Was it a 50? Okay. Well, 50 ain't a small ring. No. That's where I hang out, 46 to 50, 44 to 50 most of the time. And with the, with the uh, I don't want to say occasional, but occasional Lancero. Well, I... Uh... Uh, I'd lobby for you. <laughs> you throw a post on Oliva's Facebook page. I'll come in as a an anonymous bystander and say, "Oh, that's a great idea. I'd take thirty boxes." <laughs> thirty boxes. <laughs> well, just to you know, make them think that there's a reason to do it. Mm. Come on, I'm looking out for you, Kipper. Always. Yes, sir. What else we got? Oh, I just completely ashed all over my work computer keyboard. Yep. That's my, not good. My keyboard always is stinking ash train. All right. I have to mute myself. I'm going to blow this stuff away. Hold on. Okay. Talk well, amongst yourselves. Yeah. Our next piece of a story was that uh, Terrence Riley leaves Quesada, left Quesada um, three weeks or so ago. A lot of happened. A lot of happened during that week. Apparently, um, he kind of abruptly resigned his post at Quesada, where he'd been for a number of years. Long time. Um, yes, I mean seven, eight, nine years, something like that. And actually, as I understand it, is related to the Quesada family, uh, and he's held this sales post uh, in the U.S. for several of those years, and. Has been successful, was amicable, was a nice guy. I don't, I don't know that there was anything negative, and don't believe there was. I think he just needed to leave, or wanted to leave, and and did. And quickly, I said quickly, but he went through a quick search process and has landed at a manufacturer I happen to enjoy, and you don't. <laughs> oh, that you like, and I don't. So, if I was a betting man. I would say that this has something to do with uh, Room 101. But I know Room 101 is now out of the premium cigar industry. Well, so, kind of. Matt Booth has partnered up and made the collaboration with a couple other guys. But, but it is not Room 101. <coughs> and just for the record, our parting of ways with Room 101 is limited to one cigar. Yeah, but I hated that one cigar enough to where I would boycott the rest of their cigars. <laughs> Just on principle alone. Though. Oh, without question. Anybody who puts that thing out has no palate. No, it's not Room 101. It is a that Nicaraguan. Was a joke, by the way. An American slash Nicaraguan company with a very large presence in the tobacco growing market and some manufacturing, but largely they're, they're growers. They make very potent Nicaraguan themed cigars. For a number of other companies as well as their own line. Got another guess yet? Would would this happen to be a Fernandez family? Yes, see. It is. He has taken a position as the senior vice president in charge of sales and marketing for Casa Fernandez. Well, I used to like him. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what your problem is. Those cigars suck. That's my problem. (laughs) 
Those cigars are awesome. Some of the best cigars in the market. Oh golly. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is our own Republican and versus Democrat <laughs> argument. Anybody spy. who's a Democrat is an uh, anti-American. <laughs> Anybody who likes uh, Casa Fernandez has no palate. <laughs> I love Casa Fernandez. In the I know movie, you do. All their various shades: the Aganorsa leaf blends, the. That Arsenio, man, that Arsenio is one of my favorite cigars of all time. You know, getting a little teary. I haven't had one in several years. <laughs> I uh, I spent the Thanksgiving holiday in Florida with family. I don't even know if you knew that. I saw pictures you had been tagged in. Okay, so I was in Florida over Thanksgiving, and we were staying with a family of pescatarians I guess if you want to call them that they don't eat any meat uh, and they have just recently started eating fish so um, they were very sweet and tried to accommodate my family and had a weenie roast the first night we were there how do you do that with fish uh, well keep falling off the bun they (laughs) they had hot dogs for my family um, and I didn't have the heart to tell them or to remind them that I don't eat beef um, but it was very nice of them anyways and so I decided to try what they ate which was uh, I, you know, I gotta put it on the video I want to see your face in case you know what this is they ate these tubes of meat-like substance called Big Franks? I have no clue what you're talking about. Okay, good. good. The justification for eating Big Franks and liking Big Franks was hey, I used to eat them as a kid when we didn't know any better. Literally, within the one sentence, they said, when I didn't know any better. And yet, these 50-year-old people still choose to do this to themselves. Well, so I I got a a, a prong or fork, whatever you roast hot dogs on over an open flame. And I tried one of these big franks. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever had anything that I dislike more in my life. Except... (laughs) Maybe some of those Casa Fernandez cigars. Oh, man. So, the, ju- the justification was, well, I've always had them, and I, and I just, you know, I'm used to them. I, I, every day, I swear, I'm going to get a, a text message from you that says something similar with Casa Fernandez cigars. Well, <laughs> I, I've always liked them, so I'm just used to them at this point. Because there's no chance you can find something enjoyable in those. So now you have hacked off 6x60 smokers, Casa Fernandez fans, and Big Frank eaters. And half my family. I mean, we can just say literally half my wife's family. (laughs) They didn't like me much to begin with. (laughs) Big Franks. I'm going to have to check that out. Oh, you want to know the the best part about them? Uh, Okay. You find them in the canned food section. They come in their own aluminum tins of four. Oh, really? baby. Nothing says hot dog like tinned meat. 
I, I would <laughs> much rather eat spam, actually. Huh. I've had some good spam in my life. These. <sighs> yeah, I, I, no I didn't say I was going to eat them. I just said I've got to find out what they are. But <laughs> back to the story. I just wanted to <laughs> throw that out and, and just as a congratulations or a good on you for, for Terrence. Um, he is one of the few guys that was overly gracious. I mean, the super nice guy. When I'm just walking into IPCPR the first time, the dude like took all kinds of time explaining what all they had that year and what was going on and, and, and that kind of thing. Super friendly guy. Did not give the cold shoulder in the way that, that, <laughs> that many did that year. Well, I, I also and I have to say every every subsequent time I've ever been to IPC Bar, it's been the same experience in the Quesada booth. The dude knew his product well. He knew, he knew what it offered and what he would like to say about it, and it was very amicable and friendly and excited to share it. Uh, I will always say that anybody who takes on a charity case has a special place in heaven for me. So good for him. He's a good man. Yeah. Man, I am digging myself a hole tonight. You're going to hack off everybody. Short of yourself. Man, oh man, I uh, I I am channeling Bob McDuffie tonight, and it feels good. <laughs> well, we only got one more story on here, and so now it's time to uh, you can hack off Frank Herrera probably in this one in some kind of way. <laughs> oh, I'll try now. <laughs> it's uh, it is once again more difficult to travel to Cuba as an American citizen. Uh, some of the uh, restrictions that were lifted back um, over the past couple of years have been reinstituted by our sitting president in an effort to make it tougher on the Cuban government, I suppose. It doesn't seem to click with anybody that tourism is a pretty big thing there, even without Americans coming. It's not like all of the hotels are sitting empty because the U.S. isn't there, but I guess this is a Seemingly misguided attempt, but I understand the political ramifications too, but maybe not necessarily from some of the people who put these things in place, but nonetheless, it is a little tougher. You can't just make a person to person visit anymore the way that you could for, I don't know, several months or a year, uh, the past several months or a year. There's a list of a dozen or so reasons you can go and you can get a permit to actually travel to Cuba now as an American citizen. However, <laughs> there is a very large list of companies that Americans are prohibited from doing business with, uh, somewhere near 200 of them, <coughs> with the common denominator being that they're owned by uh, the, the governmental arm uh, of Cuba. And it's kind of a peculiar situation. The government doesn't literally own every single uh, business there in the way that we tend to overgeneralize and say, but much of it. And Especially so, since many of the transitions and softening of regulation 
post-2006 have gone into effect, uh, I would completely agree with that. Now, that being said, I understand that many of those regulations are largely uh, for show uh, because there hasn't exactly been avenues for um, adoption or much like our own lovely FDA avenues for uh, actually figuring out what that would take to do so. I recognize that, but there have been changes and there have been concessions made. And uh, to me, quite frankly, why don't I hack off this group too? Um, (laughs) people who believe that this is for the best or justified with, reason other than political posturing to go after a specified vote. Um, I think you're deluding yourself. You don't know the facts and you are choosing to perhaps blindly follow a political reason rather or political person rather than make a decision based upon full merit. So consider yourself hacked off. (laughs) (laughs) This is just fun now. <laughs> it's just all gravy now. You piss everybody off. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm getting close. <laughs> uh, so there are limited reasons you can go. You still ha- you have to go through a permitting process to to get an approval to actually travel there legally, uh, unless you go through a third party country illegally, which is pretty commonly done. Um. Uh, it, as far as the goods coming back, uh, you can still bring back Cuban cigars. Uh, those are not um, not forbidden uh, within the same restrictions as every other country. I think it's eight hundred dollars worth or a hundred cigars are the two maximums. Either of those can act as a maximum uh, per month. You can actually, if you want to travel to Cuba every month on uh, with a an approved permit and bring back a hundred cigars, you're good to go. Um, and to my knowledge, I think you can still bring them back from through uh, without actually going to Cuba. Uh, initially, when this these changes were first coming down, you could not do that. You needed to travel directly to Cuba and get the goods you wanted and come back in the States with them. You, you could not have an itinerary that did not pass through Cuba and bring back Cuban goods. But I believe that that was changed, and I don't believe it has been reversed. Um, so you can bring back your approved goods from, I guess, the companies that are not on that list. Uh, and I will put a link to the article and, and uh, attribute the article as well. It comes from Halfwells, where I was reading about it. Uh, but they um, went through the <coughs> excuse me, went through the ins and outs of what was changing and that you could travel there and when what the limitations are, uh, but they made a good point in that uh, Americans who travel to Cuba, you can't go there and use your American credit card. So everything's done in cash. Um, and they made the point of saying how, how, how this is even going to be enforced is, is unknown at this point, uh, short of keeping a, a very lengthy list of products that somebody's going to have to stand and look up if they want to, to, to weed them out. Um, so I don't know. I don't know really what more than pomp and circumstance is coming out of this outside of making it a little tougher to get there. Oh, it's not because the list of activities that you are allowed to 
to obtain a license for is larger than it was. One of these activities is so broad that it's it's something along the lines of of um, uh, supporting the Cuban public in a humanitarian manner or some, something along those lines. And I, I don't remember the specific verbiage. But essentially, so if you go there with the intention of doing good, helping others, um, and being an all-around Jim Dandy sort of fella, that's an acceptable avenue or reason to obtain your permit. Are you flipping kidding me? Like, how broad of a topic is that? How easy is it to go? The the American merchant services do not have an avenue to allow their credit function to work on the island of Cuba. How is that going to be tracked? Are the people supporting, championing this executive action that inept that they don't understand that there is absolutely no avenue to do anything here? Or is the more likely option that this is just literally to go after a specific voting constituency that perhaps isn't exactly the biggest fan of certain people in power? It's just politics you know what it is it's the swamp that was supposed to be drained alive and well rearing its head at the highest office and it does not make any sense yeah period it doesn't no i'm with you oh it's it's making me angry sorry it's also yet to be seen how this impacts the many many business arrangements that were in planning development or even completed stages for business agreements between the two countries, between private industry in the U S and Cuban industry. And you know how this is going to impact that. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if there's, you know, if, if there was a deadline, they had to have this completed or that done or whatever to, to be allowable. But, uh, I wouldn't expect that uh, to be answered in a negative manner anytime soon. Yeah. It just wouldn't but, make sense. It would not It uh, would not make sense to disrupt big business in that manner. A lot of things don't make sense. But I see them happen every day. Well, okay. Absolutely a valid <laughs> point. It would not make sense from a political background, which is essentially the only justification for this action that one can logically find. And I don't think that you you make a step towards enforcing this if there's not some immediately unforeseen benefit that's trying to be reached here. Um, That does not make sense. So mm-hmm. we can we can read between the lines, and then when reading between the lines, you can only get so far as as uh, billions of dollars, billions of potential dollars, dollars on paper that would potentially be lost by American corporations. That that's that's where you start. That's where you start pulling the reins back a little bit. You you do not want to cause a hindrance to American business. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> what? Nothing. Just, just thinking, not out loud. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I am getting close to being uh, into the final third of this cigar. We're done with news. We owe this cigar an update. Yeah, what, uh, why don't you do that while I go cough my head off with a mute button? <laughs> go right ahead. You you cough, my friend. I am mm, puffing away this lovely, lovely cigar, which to me has quite a bit, gained quite a bit more of a nasal irritant. Um, it's a little bit hotter than it was, though I have relit it. So I, I certainly believe that it might have a factor there. But the nasal irritant was there before relighting. It is uh, more youthful in how it's perceived in the nose. So I, I definitely, I definitely think that this cigar is showing characteristics that vary from perhaps its mild moniker that it is tossed about from time to time. Um, I also think that I have lost some of the sweetness and gained more depth and complexity in uh, a hard-flavored core. Um, there's definitely a woody core that's come through here. I don't know if it's cedar so much. It doesn't really have that aroma that's gone to it, but it's not smoky or overly... Um, what do I want to say? It's not... Uh, it's not fire-cured tobacco, woody, smoky flavor. Right. Um, it's, it's probably... Right. I'm sorry? It's bright. Yeah, it's kind of more akin to like if you're breaking green branches and you can get that smell of of the woodiness, but it's not it's not seasoned lumber, you know? It, it, there's a difference here. Um but it's definitely there and I'd say that that has probably taken over as being my dominant flavor. Um and I I still get a little bit of that um, what I was attributing to the abano sweetness earlier, which I didn't really elaborate on fully, but when I say abano sweetness, I typically classify abano sweetness being a very simple citrus light sweet flavor. Um, so that abano characteristic is still there. It's kind of wrapping around whatever that woodsy core is. Um, Still a short finish on this cigar. It is not, you know, I, I'm taking a puff and not tasting it the whole entire time until my next puff. I appreciate that. It's still very clean on the palate. Um, I, I'm liking it, though it has transitioned a little bit less so um, in what would line up with my ideal flavor profile for this. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm largely with you. Uh, definitely with the woodsy kind of core. Um, with the noticeable tingle, like I mentioned earlier, and you mentioned earlier, this sharpness almost through the nose, it's not unpleasant to me. I kind of like it. <coughs> but it takes that baking spice that we talked about earlier and makes it much sharper. Maybe not unpleasant to me, but sharper, almost like a, a <coughs> lemony kind of, lemon zest kind of, feel to it as much as a flavor, but it, that feel through the nose. Hmm. When you get a little spritz of, you know, you squeeze, them, squeeze a lemon peel and it squirts in your eye. You... <laughs> yeah, I got drunk, son of a... Yeah, exactly. But maybe not quite so bold. Uh, but I, I do get a little bit of citrus coming out of it. 
Um, definitely with the woodsy core, but yes, not charred kind of wood. But but it makes me think of when same factory I worked at 20 some odd years ago had very large lumber kilns where lumber was dried and you had to bring the the moisture down to eight or nine percent ish uh, for most of what we were doing at the time and the kilns when they were operating were pungent with the really concentrated sap that was coming out the ends of the, the boards as it, as it was dried and it reminds me of that this that uh, um, unburned woodsiness, not the woodsy in the sense of you know, charcoal or, or like I've, well, I've mentioned charred oak before. <coughs> not that at all. But I'm still digging it. I think I'm digging it a little more than you probably. No, no, no. I, I like it a lot. It's just um, I liked the first third more than I'm liking this beginning of the final third. Uh, the sweetness is there. I'm, I'm, I appreciate more of the softer flavors in cigars. We've talked about that dozens upon dozens of times. This has more hard flavors now than it did earlier on. So I'm not, that's moving away from my tendency, but the flavors that are there are absolutely still enjoyable to me. Um, I just was concentrating a bit more, and I think that baking spice is definitely there. It has morphed a little. It's not so easy to uh, to find, but it's there if you're looking for it. And it, there are still all of the components that were there initially. They're just changing, and that's that's what I like out of my cigar. So I'm enjoying the ride. Um, you know, I, I just wish it was ending up at Toys R Us instead of Joanne Fabric, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you hacked off all the seamstresses you're doing. Ah, well, you know, uh, I can't think of anything that's funny and not derogatory, so never mind. How about the uh, potent set? How's that coming for you? You know, I, um, I have... One of the things that I like about rum is that it does have some sugar in it in while you're consuming it. It's distilled <laughs> sugar or molasses. Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it definitely has those carbohydrates in it that help me kind of fend that off. I have had uh, probably two shots worth, uh, two and a half fingers in one of my little glasses over here. So I have stayed ahead of it. Um, I, it it's perceptible as having some strength, but it's not coming close to overpowering. So I would not at all say this is mild. I would say that this is a cigar with some strength to it that is not an overly strong cigar. But I don't think that I'd hand this to a first-time smoker and say, oh, what a great cigar, lots of sweetness and complexity. No no chance of that. Yeah, I, I have found it much as would have been expected from our earlier conversation to be very mild, almost like it is pulling nicotine from my system. Huh. Well, I uh, I can dig it, and I'm looking forward to giving some final thoughts on it in a little while. Cool. Cool. So I would like to uh, zip onto the forums to see a little bit about what I've typed on uh, 
the cigars I've had since our last show. So why don't you give me a chance to do that and uh, tell us a little bit about what you got. Yeah. Hang on. Let me make a bunch of racket here. Oh, no problem. No problem. I got a couple on the list here. Um, One of them is that classic, very irritating experience where I was given a cigar, no band on it, and just told... This is from 2007. It's an avo of some kind. It's from a guy who has a connection to the Alphabetia Davidoff operations and gave me this avo, this 10-year-old avo. No idea what it was. And I smoked it and absolutely adored it. Uh, it It was a fantastic cigar. Had a really clear, sweet cinnamon kind of flavor to it, which I... I, I mean, not a handful of cigars in 20 plus years have done that for me. I loved it. It was there on the cold draw. It was there throughout the smoking. It it was delightful. It was like apple cider at Christmas time. It was fantastic. Huh. And I could never replicate it. And that hacks me off. So now I'm hacked off. That's everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was easily my favorite Avo cigar ever. And that's, I'm not a huge Avo fan, but those Avos that I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed a lot. In particular, uh-huh. the uh, Compañero in 2009, I think, was their limited edition. I love that cigar. But this one, I think I liked it even more than that one. So, and, oh, sorry, go on. The dude doesn't know. He had a year. And uh, I'm going to go back maybe and uh, torture him a little bit to let me get out of it. Well, I, I, that was about the time that I was done with Avos, but I knew a fair bit about him. What, what can you tell me about that cigar? It was uh, slightly bigger, slightly longer than a Robusto, but not, not much. I didn't measure it. Just, Fairly longer and similar ring, maybe 50 ring, but it could have even been a 48. It, it was not a, it was not an oversized 50 for sure. What um, was the wrapper like? Um, medium brown, uh, pretty evenly colored, no, no splotches or anything. It was actually very evenly colored. Not um, a Claro, like an XO or a signature no, or anything. No, not at all. It was darker than that. It had a maybe a Habano. <laughs> Habano and Habano kind of tinge to it. And, and when I say that, I mean the most common color that we see in Habano wrappers that haven't been deeply, like, pro- deeply fermented. That kind of Colorado Claro. Yeah. Brown, almost like a, a baseball glove exactly. color. Um, slight bit of tooth, a lot of uniformity. No, no tooth. This thing was smooth as a baby bottom. No tooth. Um, uh, how is the flavor? Spicy at all? No, no. Sweet throughout. and, and Oh, sweet. Say, okay, so like Habano sweetness? Yeah, like cinnamon sweetness. <clears throat> Specifically cinnamon, but, but not... Cinnamon? Not, not spicy, not like fireball kind of cinnamon. I'm like... Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, like baking spice, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then I think you might have had an Avo signature. 
I don't know. I, I smoked the signatures back when they first hit the market. And I don't remember enjoying them at all, but I guess this one did have a lot more age on it than I'd ever smoked before. That Your description now with that slightly sweeter cinnamon flavor, the brown color that does not have tooth on it, reminds me a lot of the Avo 75th, which is what the genesis for the signature line was. Um, I, I, I think you might've had yourself a signature. I don't know. That would be my guess. Was there a band on it? There was no band on it. No. Okay. Well, when you ask the guy, ask him if it was kind of a, you know, if he remembers any of the other ones having a reddish kind of almost orangey pinky reddish. It was not a straight red. There was a little bit more to it. I can do it. <clears throat> I would. Uh, I would guess that you're going to go with a signature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh well, very cool. I you know uh, more than I do. My, I've in several years. I've had very few of those. Very very few in quite some time. I my, uh, wife, my wife will not smoke cigars. She doesn't like cigars. She tolerates me loving cigars. But on the very rare occasions that she's ever <laughs> experienced a cigar, it's been the Avo XO or the uh, Between the Lines from Fuente. But she really likes that Avo XO in that little, it's kind of a Panatella-ish size. Okay. And that's largely been my experience. And that's been like two or three times in the past 10 years. Well, I, uh, I'm glad that you had a cigar that you really enjoyed. I wish that you knew what it was so you could get more. Yep. Mm-hmm. Probably not as much as you do, though. <laughs> Probably you are correct. Well, I, I used to smoke a lot of Avos. I can distinctly remember the Avo Maduro being a cigar that I was ecstatic about when I heard that it was being released. Um, I also love the Avo Exos. Uh, loved, loved, loved the Avo 75th when that was around. Um, smoked the heck out of that. And then subsequently when I found out that the signature was based on the 75th blend and had a lot in common with it. Uh, and depending on who you talk to, it may have been the Avo 75th's blend. Uh, but I was never really able to corroborate that. Um, smoked a lot of those too. I liked that a lot. Uh, the other, you know, like the Avo um, Classic and uh, what were some of the other ones? There was a, a Classic and one more before you got to the Avo XO. And those were kind of the basic, mild Dominican Blas cigars. The Avo XO was a great, mild cigar. But the other ones, the lesser ones, the Avo Classic and the one other that I'm blanking on now, um, not a ton going on with those. But uh, the Avo specialty releases, great. Um, the signature, I tended to enjoy with a little age. Um, they, they had some good stuff. They had yeah. some good stuff, definitely. Well, I, uh, I found my post on the forum. It's not nearly as uh, provocative or informative as I had hoped that it would be, but... Uh, Last month, I started kind of getting the bug for um, 
the upcoming Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. Uh, it was about a month away. I we were going to record another show uh, the I don't know November seventeenth or whenever we were supposed to do that. Um, and so I was I was ready, and I thought, you know what? I have got this bag of cigars from Terry Johnson, uh, whose cigars are TLJs or TL Johnson, like The Last Jedi, TLJ. So I thought, hey, you know, I'm supposed to be smoking these cigars after a few months rest. I have uh, I have indulged ever so slightly. I think I'm going to start kind of a process to review these couple sticks that he gave me. Um, so I spent uh, a number of of days at work when I was in my truck smoking these uh, these bad boys. For those of you keeping track at home. Uh, I know, I know. I've been uh, lacking. So, a little bit of background. Um, I was playing with a couple of the TLJ cigars uh, in anticipation of the Last Jedi movie coming out, and I had some interesting observations. So, Terry wasn't very straightforward about the blends or even the cigars' names, um, but back in June when I met with him, uh, and spent some time with him talking about uh, the business and his cigars and how things were going. Um, I was in Colorado in his hometown, and uh, we had a we had a good day together. Um, he gave me this this bag of cigars and told me give them at least three to four months because they were manufactured for uh, you know um, somebody that we have talked about and talked to on this show before, uh, but they were delivered. And I write on the forum, they were demanded, uh, is probably the proper term, to be delivered at a specific point. Um, And that was probably prior to being ready. So I have spoken about one of these cigars before. um, And so I had a couple more samples of uh, of that stick. And then I had two or three samples of the cigar that was going to be made for that other uh, brand owner that I was discussing. Um, I can remember very vividly the first time that I smoked one of these TLJs uh, after my meeting, they were just rich with kind of an unctuous sweetness, cherry-like. It was almost so... It was almost so rich that I felt that it was almost an additive to the cigar. Um, you know, like uh, not a, it wasn't a cured tobacco cigar, uh, e.g. acid uh, or Lars Tetons. It wasn't anything like that, but it was, it was a cigar. In, I, I know that everybody's talked about uh, uh, the kind of, oils or wash that has been put over wrappers to kind of dye the wrapper. It was almost as if you, something like that was on here. Like the, the oil or the, the betun was enriched somehow. Um, because this flavor, I had just never experienced anything like it. That was, uh, such a sweet, distinct cherry and kind of, liqueur aroma and flavor coming off of it. That was my initial impression when I smoked one of these at like a month old. Okay. 
So at this point, I smoked them in uh, November. So it had been six months. I let them all rest. That unctuous, unique flavor, aroma, was gone. It was completely absent. Um, that was the first most striking uh, thing to report back on. Um, the cigar that I had had previously, the two, I'm pretty sure I had two more in November. Uh, both of those had incredibly little progression. That was my takeaway. Their flavor was straightforward, tobacco, enjoyable, impeccable construction, no doubt about it, but not transitioning anywhere close to what this Edition Inaugural is transitioning, where, I mean, practically now at this point in the final third, every puff has some different or new component to it. Those uh, Terry Johnson's cigars were not this way, that way at all. Um, they're very much uniform. You like them, you're going to love them because they're going to stay that way the whole way through. Now, the second cigar, which was a really unique cigar, did not just have a pigtail. It had like a, like a, a I don't know, a little curly cue that was three or four twists deep on the head. Um, this cigar had an identical characteristic to it. You would smoke it, and you would see absolutely no transition the entire length. And I was blown away by that. It had an extremely rich aroma at the foot of the cigar still. Not at all that that kind of sweet cherry flavor that I was getting previously, but like a spectacular aged or well-fermented, well-processed tobacco flavor. Um, and the cigar just did not live up to that richness. I was really surprised. I I really enjoyed that first cigar from its almost a posterity perspective. Like it just wasn't like anything else that I'd ever had. And unfortunately, both of these two blends, while very different from each other, fell in line with with no longer being a very unique experience. And I was kind of bummed about that. I, I Again, I kind of think I psyched myself into expecting these cigars to be overly unique for the, the life of however long I kept them. Um, and they had lost some of that individuality. Still good, still unbeatable for the price. Uh, not just the fact that I was given them to sample for free, but unbeatable for the price because we know that Terry's cigars are not, uh, you know, $20 sticks. They're affordable great performing cigars with spectacular construction. Um, and they lived up to that. I just wish they held on to some of the more individual characteristics that I was expecting. Hmm. It, I have smoked those same cigars over a period of time uh, at the factory and from the factory and with, with some time on them and without and had pretty similar experience, uh, but I maybe did not get as um, psyched up. Uh, I was not in, in the mindset of it. I, I didn't set an expectation that wasn't realized. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I can understand I've done, that. I've done that many times, just not with this particular cigar. Yeah, I... Uh, I I mean, I've already talked about it on this show with multiple other cigars. I need to get out of my head when it comes to 
smoking a cigar either either for the first time or smoking a cigar where it's been a while and I'm holding it to some sort of expectation uh, that just isn't fair to the cigar. I need to I need to get better about that. <laughs> See, now you packed yourself off. Yep. Even I'm a twat sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, I don't have too much more to talk about um, outside of that Avo and maybe one or two other cigars. The only things I've been smoking are the Comado cigars at the four cents a pop and these uh, <coughs> DNAs or ADNs here uh, from, from La Aurora, <coughs> which I have come to appreciate even more. As I smoke more of them, you know, I initially thought they were really strong, and then I kind of got in a groove with the robustos, and then they were out of robustos, and I got the toros, and the toros just whipped me every which way but loose, and uh, I probably won't ever light up a toro again in this <laughs> in this line. Um, oh no, joke! Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know that there's any difference in the blend and how it's executed it's just whatever reason those things just just they just whipped me i mean they were so strong to me i could i never finished one like i have maybe two inches of this cigar left tonight i never got to that point in the toros but the robusto i can sit down smoke the entire thing no problem light up another one immediately after wow and i'm really enjoying them they are much more inexpensive here than they are in the States. The MSRP in the States seems like it's quite a bit higher than what you think they can be had for here in Santiago, for sure. Hmm. But they've grown on me. I like them. And I can get them anywhere. I don't even have to go to a cigar shop for this. The dang grocery stores carry La Aurora and Quesada. Huh. Yeah, I gotta get me one of those grocery stores. I think. Well, you gotta catch them quick because they have these giant glass and wood humidors, and as far as I know, there's no humidification at all. In my house, it doesn't matter that I've never put a drop of water in my humidor because the ambient humidity is, you know, stays 65 to 70 percent pretty much every minute of every day. Yeah, but this particular store, or these two particular stores, are do happen to be air conditioned, and so if uh, you don't buy them soon after delivery, they they will dry out at some point. Well, that would be a problem, especially if there's any sunlight around too. Mm-hmm. Uh. But I put a note in here. I. Every time I go back to the States and every time somebody is coming from Florida, I have them mule down tins of pipe tobacco. Uh-huh. And I have accumulated a pretty pretty reasonable stash here, and I almost never fire up the pipe. This is the first time in I don't know how long that I did before the show tonight. Um, I think I may kind of tap dance back into some pipes a little bit. I can dig I'm it. Slowly, I'm slowly bringing my cellar down. You can, you're permitted yeah, as long as you don't get. I mean, you are permitted to bring up to 500 grams of pot tobacco, but no one has ever looked at my luggage here or there. But, I 
I uh, I looked at my pipe tonight prior to recording and thought, no, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to keep a good constitution to have my pipe and have our cigar of the week. Um, and I'm I'm glad I didn't light it up. I was contemplating it because it it sounded tasty, but I am uh, I am definitely more congested uh, after starting that cigar. So huh. I I think that it was the right move. Cool. I mean, cool that it worked out. Not cool if you didn't get to enjoy your pipe. I'm sorry. I said I said cool, and then I said not cool. I said cool that it worked out, but not cool that it that you didn't get to enjoy your pot. I gotcha. I gotcha. Ah, oh, plenty more time for that. Winner's young. Yeah. And so, well, what do you say we give our closing thoughts on this cigar and get yeah. you the heck to bed before 1 o'clock in the morning? You got to do it quickly. got 18 minutes. I can, I can do that. That's not yeah. a problem. Well, uh, I can't say that this has changed for the worse at all. I'm still enjoying it. Um, if I had to nitpick, it has gotten a little less flavorful. I don't want to say it's flat, but it has definitely dropped off. And to be honest, that very well may just be palate fatigue rather than the cigar itself because mm. I'm smoking it for two hours. Um, still, still enjoying it. Probably will finish it up as I close up shop here around the house. I I concentrated more after I gave my my thoughts on uh, kind of the closeout of the second third. Um, I concentrated a little bit more on what that sweetness was and how it had morphed. Um, and I I really think that what happened more than anything was the woodiness emerged. And the sweetness just kind of maintained, or, or perhaps it there was a little bit of interplay with that that abano sweetness and the baking spice sweetness, um, and the abano kind of grew a little in comparison. Maybe that's more what it was. But the moral of the story is that that sweetness was absolutely still there. It's just that that other components emerged as well, and so. Oh, pardon me. I I dig that cigar, man. I mean, it was it was good despite yapping a little too much and having to relight it. It still maintained the sweetness. It still burned well. Just a perfect draw on this thing. I I can vividly remember um, being in uh, gosh the name of the factory La La Galera. Uh, uh, well, the factory is La Palma, but where La Galera is me. La pa- What? Say that again. Which which cigar are you now talking about? Sorry, Ernie Carrillo's, the Edición Inaugural. La Alianza. La Alianza, thank you. La Galera is owned by Hochi Blanco at the La Palma. Oh, yeah. Yep, okay. Um. I was at that factory shortly after it opened in 2011, I believe. Yeah, 2011. Um, early 2011, I was there. There were boxes upon boxes of these Edition Inaugurals. Maybe 500 boxes. I mean, they were not 
they were not uh, <laughs> a dwindling commodity there. And they were absolutely being held for future release. So you can do some research on these cigars and hear about, oh, yeah, they're going to make some every single year and send them out. I'm not so sure that these were cigars which were manufactured later. I think that maybe the cigars that are being released, excuse me, are legitimately that initial release, not a redo or redux. I I, I don't know. These are, this is yet again another experience tonight. Like, oh gosh, I got the hiccups bad now. Um, we've got a cigar that is, consistently displaying new components, new characteristics, but it's always centered around the same core. So I, I truly think that this is a stick that has aged. It's been around for a while. It is made with top quality components and it's just continuing to evolve. If you get your hands on it, buy it. Buy it in spades. Buy it as much as you can afford. Because I don't think it's ever going to disappoint. It's a great stick. The evolution here tonight was sweetness maintaining, slightly balancing itself out, and a woody core emerging as as being a more dominant finish. That's common. I, I mean, that is something that occurs. It's not something that I think the cigar is worse for. It doesn't absolutely line up with my preference, but it also does not, you know, it doesn't wet the bed. It's a great cigar, another great performance. Every component is there. It shines. It does what it's supposed to do, and it does does it well. It's a just a great stick. I, I, I don't know what the entertainment value is of your final review of the cigar, but the hiccups were freaking awesome. <laughs> Jeez, they're killing me i guess we're ending at a good time <laughs> yeah yeah i'll wrap this up uh, thanks everyone for tuning in as always we appreciate it whether you're here in the chat room with us tonight or uh, listening down the road through download and if you want to come back next time around for episode 172 we will be smoking the la tradicion cubana reserva familiar reserva familiar um, <clears throat> which was one of his newer lines he put out. Luis Sanchez put out, I guess, a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah. Not, <clears throat> don't believe he, <clears throat> he makes them to the same, uh, at the same quantity as some of the others, but they're not too hard to find. And uh, actually, you can get them directly from him <laughs> if you give him a call. But uh, anyway, we'll see how that goes. These have been sitting around since the initial release, I think. These, these, had these for a while. Um, so yeah, we've, we've had them at least at least a year and a half, if not more. Yeah. So they should be comfortably rested at this point. But if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, uh, you can catch us by email to preg at com or kip at com, uh, Or you can find us in any of the typical social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, our forum over at com where we would love to have you join us and uh, hang out and chat a little bit.
Yeah, I uh, I went to search for some of the Terry Johnson uh, notes that I had put up on the on the forum and realized I had uh, multiple private messages and multiple notifications of posts being quoted. So just in the uh, 25, 30 hours or so since I was there last, there's a, a lot going on. So it's nice to see that happen and uh, couldn't be happening with a better group of guys. So... Ah, oh, I'm uh, excited to talk to them, get all that figured out, and man, I'm ready for half assed 172. I don't know if you are, Kipper, but yep. uh, amen. Well, and uh, this one goes out like every other. Everybody who gave us some of their time, I want to say good night to you, and thanks for listening. <laughs>